good day and welcome to the Agile People Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to have Pia Maria Claren with us and we're going to be talking about the subject of authenticity. Welcome Pia Maria, how are you? Thank you David, I'm well thank you. Sunny day here in uh, Sweden on the west coast and I've been swimming in the sea today so I'm feeling perfect. <laughs> thank you. Awesome. <laughs> I couldn't think about a better day myself. I'm joined by the Agile People Collective of Vera and um, Oscar and uh, they're going to be your interview um, panel today on the topic of authenticity. Um, Vera, good afternoon. Hi, David. Good afternoon. I'm very happy to, to have an interview with Pia about this uh, great topic. Awesome. Thank you, Vera. Um, have we lost Oscar for the time being? Hello, hello. No, he's here. No, I'm here. <laughs> happy Sunday, everyone. Uh, well, it's a sunny Sunday here in Mexico, Monterrey, Mexico. So happy to be here and, and delighted of you know, listening to Pia Maria. It's always a pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, Oscar. Welcome, everybody. So let's let's have a great session. So as I say, the topic is authenticity. It is one of the chapters of the Agile People Principles, your call to action for the future of work. Pia Maria is the founding director, inspiration director, founder of Agile People, original Agile People coach, author, and Pia Maria? Keynote speaker. <laughs> <laughs> And many titles. In Sweden, we say that a loved child has many names. Yes. <laughs> so I have many titles. Fantastic! <laughs> it's brilliant. It's, it's great. Yeah, yeah. So the topic yeah. of the topic of authenticity, obviously, very close to your heart. You do you do speak very sort of from your childhood, which is, I suppose, greatness and the, the tragedy that sort of contributes to that as well. Can I just t- start with you on that journey? around there? Yeah, definitely. Yes, let's go back in time. Long time. I grew up in Sweden, which is maybe one of the safest countries in the world. I don't know, but it's a really home um, country. It's average. We actually have a special word for average uh, in Swedish. It's called lagom. It's not too much. It's not too little, but it's just, you know, enough, just enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how Swedes are, and that's how our country is as well. So I grew up in the 60s and 70s. Um, it was a great time to grow up in Sweden. Uh, everything was getting better all the time, uh, as in many other countries maybe as well. And I had a very happy childhood. We spent a lot of time you know, in, in the forest with the family, um, walking, hiking, uh, sailing. We had a little summer house uh, also up north where we went for the holidays. My parents were teachers, so they had a lot of time off. When I was 11 years old, my father died. So it kind of, it affected me a lot because he was my hero. And and my father was like, like a perfect person to me. He was everything and he was always there and he he was doing all the time things with me and my brother you know when you're that young you don't kind of see the flaws of your parents 
So I really grew up not seeing any flaws at all um, in my father. He was perfect until he died. When you become a teenager, that's when you start seeing that your parents aren't perfect, right? And then you start questioning them and then you start becoming more free and, and starting to liberate yourselves from your family and your parents. But I never experienced that with him. So he remained perfect all my life, really. And he was very, very authentic. So maybe it's heritage. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way I was brought up. Maybe it's a personality trait. I don't know. But authenticity has always been very important for me. And it's been helping me. And it's been doing some really bad things for me as well. <laughs> because when you're authentic, there are consequences, right? Yes. Uh -huh. so think about how you are authentic and yeah. what you, you can't really always say the whole truth and nothing but the truth, yeah. as they say yeah. in movies. <laughs> but <laughs> you need to kind of, you know, filter a little bit. Yeah. Um, because otherwise you, you get in trouble. Yeah. And I think you come on to some of that trouble in part of the chapter as well, Pierre-Marie. I think we share a, a similar journey in consultancy where you have to be one thing um, which kind of goes yeah. against the grain of your natural being, if you like, and um, just for the purpose of being in front of a client and, and mm. showing that you know everything, or at least them um, showing that you, you know, you're capable and competent, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that's not necessarily how it is to be. Can I just ask, what was your relationship with your mother like after at that time as well? And did that help in some way towards your authentic being? It did. She was also very authentic. And of course, my relationship with both my mother and my brother grew deeper mm. as we became very close after my father's death. We were doing a lot of things together. He left a life insurance that we used in the best possible way mm. by traveling together. So we were traveling to skiing in the Alps. We were doing a lot of things. And um, eventually my mother got in financial trouble because she had no money left. But, but that's another story. Okay. But um, <laughs> she was that kind of person. We've all been there. We've all been there. Don't worry. <laughs> um, as long as we had money, everything was fine. And then it was finished. And then, you know, it was some problem. Oh. But... Uh, uh, authenticity was always important in our home, I guess. To tell the truth, say it as it is, being yourself. I remember having a poster beside my bed with two, I think it was two goats, and they were facing each other, looking at each other, and it said, be yourself, something like this on the poster. And it was kind of a funny poster, right? Mm -hmm. But these things affect you, I guess, mm -hmm. when you see that, when you fall asleep every night, you look at the post to be yourself, okay, I'm going to be myself, it kind of affects you, the words and the picture. And mm -hmm. however, you know, it's always better to be yourself. It's always better to show your true colors because if you're somebody else, you won't be happy in life and other people won't be happy either when they are together with you because they will feel that something is not right. They will feel this fake kind of you know imagine person who is not really you i value authenticity very much and i really not just in myself but in everybody i meet mm -hmm. i really appreciate when people are themselves and not pretend to be somebody else or 
you know, play a, a part in a role. And that also it has to do with equality and or people have the same value and, and all these things. It, it's kind of related to that, I feel, as well, that yeah. you need to treat other people with respect, yeah. regardless. Yeah, indeed. What yeah. they are doing, where you meet them, if you meet, if it's a janitor, I mean, it doesn't matter. It All work is valuable work um, and contributes to the whole in a company. Yeah. So... I really do think you need to respect, you need to be authentic, you need to be humble. And these are traits that I think are related and um, and go together really well. Thank you, Pamela. And one of the things that we noticed when we interviewed the other co-authors in the book is that when they talk about purpose and meaning and being able to focus on that, as we discovered them in one of the earlier sessions, is that it's very easy to lose that focus because you're distracted by lots of other things. And I guess, you know, when you talk about authenticity, as much as we want to be our better self at all times, you know, those distractions and those, you know, forgetting about your purpose kind of distracts you from that, doesn't it? And so that authenticity starts to sort of waver or in some cases goes out the window, doesn't it? And so we kind of lose that touch. Yeah, I guess that when you don't, focused on it it's really easy to get caught in something to kind of be sidetracked and and be forced into playing a role that is not really you or do things that you don't really want to do because because you want to show a side of yourself that is not maybe somebody you are in your soul because you think that would lead to a better job or more money or some advantages in life or something else. But I don't think it's worth it. But it's really easy, of course, to do that, I guess. And so my question to you, Priya-Marie, would be, so how do you keep that focus? I mean, we see snapshots of you, obviously, from a training perspective. And then we see LinkedIn. And as you keep you mentioned there is keynote speaker at lots of events and, and holding conferences and traveling around the world and stuff like that. If I was to ask you that big question, and I know I'm stealing this from Simon Sinek, what's your why? And that's what's something that we why? in the Agile People Collective, we are now questioning ourselves or asking ourselves, What's the why? And as we do the podcast episodes, we find that people are asking themselves the same question and then have to ask organizations that question, or at least reiterate, you know, to to find Mm -hmm. that purpose in life or what that original purpose was. So as you know, I'm using the Reese Motivation Profile. And in that profile, there is a need, a basic need, a psychological basic need that is called independence and there is also one that is called um, it's the saving need I'm looking for so if you have a low need for saving that means that you are you want to share your knowledge you want to share information you want to do what you can do uh, to create a better world idealism is such um, also such a basic need that would affect that you want to improve the world of work I want to improve and as uh, I'm low on acceptance which is another another basic need I don't see that there are any obstacles for me to do that 
I don't have to all the time get positive feedback for what I do. I'm more courageous in a way so that I can fail, but I will always, when I make mistakes and when I fail, I will always think, okay, what did I learn from this? How can I pick myself up and move on after this? The first time I did that, that was actually when my father died, but I also had a lot of life-changing events after that, and, and I created this way of coping, right? I think we all do that to mm. some degree when we go through life and we experience life's ups and downs and things happen, you know? And you learn to overcome, you learn to pick yourself up and see the positive and move on because that's the only choice you have really. To move on and to pick yourself up and see the positive and see, okay, so this happened. I can't change that. But what did I learn from this situation? And how can I share my learning with the rest of the world? When people want to listen to you because they think this is interesting, you know, how can we improve leadership? How can we improve HR? How can we improve our organizations, because I was through a lot of experiences in large organizations where I saw people being mistreated. I saw people not being able to develop their full potential. They had so much more to give, but they never got the chance to show that and to to be who they were at work because they were there were always these limitations and, and obstacles and, and other people hindering them just because there was a process or there was a policy or there was something else stopping them from being happy and being their best selves at work. So I started to think about that. What can we do really about it? And how can we release this potential that we know is in there but it cannot come out as long as other people are, are limiting you, right? And that's why we created Agile People. Thank you, Pimura. I've got a question up from Vera. Uh, hi, Pimura. I wanted to know from you, when you experimented for the first time your authenticity, because you know to be authentic, you have to discover yourself. So it's important to know yourself and then to experiment also in life and in organization as well. Mm. What was your haha moment in that? Yeah, it takes time to discover yourself. First, maturity helps. Getting older helps, <laughs> for sure. When you're young, you're still looking for who you are. When you get older, you start finding more and more and more things about yourself. But what changed my self-perception the most was probably when I started to look into the risk motivation profile of my own profile. I didn't think it was me from the beginning, but then I realized as I went further down in the profile and understood it on a deeper level, yes, this is really me. And why is that? Okay. Now I understand why I do like this. Now I understand why I think like that and why I'm not like other people when it comes to the basic psychological needs that make up me and nobody else because it's like a fingerprint. It's very, very unique for a specific person. 
Mm. We experimented something like that uh, when we follow your course in mm. the right yeah. motivation profile. Exactly. I don't know if you want just to explain what is this because maybe someone that is uh, listening to us that don't know it. Uh, so just to understand what is this. Yeah, it looks at our basic psychological needs and it's a self-evaluation. And what you do is that you evaluate yourself on 128 different statements. So you say, I don't agree at all, or I agree very much, or hmm, sometimes I agree and sometimes I don't agree. So you're kind of in the middle. So it's situational depending. If you to yourself when you rate these statements, then you actually get the true picture of yourself because there is a lot of research behind it. It's Stephen Rees from the US, Ohio State University in Columbia, who made the research. And it's a modern tool. There are many tools out there which you can discover yourself. This is just one of them. But it, it doesn't look at behaviors. It looks at motivation and the factors that makes you do what you do. So it looks like the why behind the behavior. So a very common picture is the iceberg. So you have a small part on top. This is what we see. These are the actions and the behaviors. This is what we hear and see you do. But then underneath the surface, it's much bigger. There is a lot more there. This is the why underneath there. Why do I do what I do? What are my intentions with what I do? So that's what I was talking about when I say, why did I travel around talking about these things that I had experienced at work? Because I could, because there was nothing stopping me and because I wanted to spread this. Uh, when you're low on the basic need of saving, you want to share, you want to be generous, you want to give away a lot of things. So, and that's, uh, I have a weak need for saving. So that's my personality trait. I also have a quite higher than average need for idealism, which means that I want to improve society. I want to improve the, the world and uh, people's conditions. Thank you, Pimele. Oscar? Yes, I have like a follow-up question with all of this. And, and I think this is this is great because you know, when you grow up, you some of us are told to kind of like you need to behave and you need to follow these rules. And when you follow the rules and when you have to behave, it's sometimes hard to find your authentic self. It's basically what you were saying, right? Like that top of the iceberg is those behaviors or are those behaviors, and then the why. Behind that, it's sometimes hard to tell when you are not conscious about your authentic self and when you don't know your authentic self. So I guess my question is, how do you balance that? Because it seems that when you have to behave, you are not unleashing your true self, which means you are probably not unleashing your like inner skills or probably talents that you, you don't know you have because you've been behaving because somebody told you to do so. So how to, and I mean, I, I agree with what you said and probably you already responded this when you mentioned maturity. And I, I guess that comes with maturity when you realize when you have to stop and when you need to make those trade-offs, understanding what are your non-negotiables on life. But I don't know, like in general, how's been that journey for you and, and how to balance those extremes mm. of, 
Yeah, I see what you mean because be, behaving is something you need to do. It's the social norms, like that we need to follow. As long as we don't hurt other people, as long as we respect other people's feelings and we don't step on other people, we can be ourselves, right? But if we start to to hurt other people with our true selves, then I think we need to maybe move back a bit. This is the balance that we need to learn. When we are children, we don't have the feeling for the boundaries, right? So we need some guidelines. We need a recipe for how do you behave in this world? How do you do? I think sometimes maybe parents go too far and limit children too much. I think they should be able to be their true selves with some limitations, but not too much limitations. Let kids learn also from mistakes and let kids be themselves. Don't suppress them. Like I see sometimes that parents and teachers and managers are suppressing people, not letting them be their true selves. But teaching children respect and humbleness and uh, understanding that other people are not like you are and they may be very sad if you do these things to them or if you say these things to them etc explaining these things i mean kids will learn when we take them seriously and when we teach them how to distinguish right from wrong i think social skills and psychology and should probably on the schedule from a very, very young age, which is not the case. Yeah. Actually, we, we learn a lot of things in school, but we don't learn the most important skills in life in school. And that's what is love. How do you live a happy life? All these essential skills about relationships and about how you you behave to become successful, how you can treat other people in a good way. And these are skills that we usually don't practice that much in school, which is very sad, in my opinion. You you learn the facts, but you don't learn what's really important in life. That's a good point, MP. But in terms of that, those life skills, do you think that's the school's job to do that? I mean, I've got some friends who are teachers and, you know, the job that they have to do is is almost when the parents drop the kids off is it's now up to you um, to discipline them, to teach them, to educate them, you know, to do almost everything. And I was speaking to a primary school teacher the other day there and it's almost, you know, to dress them at PE, to feed them, <laughs> you know, at dinner time and stuff like that, you know, is some of this this um, learning, shall we say, you know, should come from home life. Yeah. First it's the parents' job, and then also the teacher will take over some of that, but it's a co-cooperation. They, sometimes they say it takes a village to raise a child, right? Yes. So Absolutely. all grown-ups are people who children look to, how shall I behave when I grow up? So you need to be the the kind of person that you want your children to be. So I think all adults have this responsibility when they are around children, at least. And one of the quotes I really like in this chapter, MP Marie, is that the fact that your authenticity has sometimes got you into trouble. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't be too authentic. I'm very bad at playing political games, which is sometimes necessary in large organizations. And when you're a consultant, you have a very special position where you're supposed to 
know all the answers, right? And when you admit that you don't have all the answers, they can see you as, uh, oh, but you're not an expert or you're not perfect or you are not, you know, why did we hire you if you don't have the answers, if you cannot point on the path moving forward? Because I believe in Agile, right? So there is no predictability. The future is unpredictable and people cannot be managed. And that's what I believe. So it also has to do with my belief in authenticity to to be able to say that I don't know what the right way forward is for you, dear company, because it depends on so many different things. And we need to talk to the people. We need to ask the co-workers about this. And, And they need to be involved in this because otherwise the change will not be a good one for your organization. If you are dictating a change, it won't stick. And to say to managers that you don't know the answer, that's to show vulnerability. And vulnerability is is a very good thing, but in a traditional organization, it can get you into trouble because people will use that against you. And uh, yeah, and then you can be kicked out. Indeed. I think you and I share that experience. Absolutely. And before I allow um, Vera to to come in with a question, I've got a question from Fran Maitland. Unfortunately, she can't be here today. But what she says is, um, Pia Maria, is excluding your own company, Agile People, Mm -hmm. which has been the most authentic company you've ever worked for? Oh, wow. Most. You can blame Fran for this question. Yeah, this is difficult. We can come back to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please, because I maybe need some time to think about that. No problem. Vera, uh, would you like to ask a question? My question is, uh, Pia, you have seen a lot of company all around the world. And uh, what I, I feel or I read is that is a low engagement in company. And I mean that one thing that uh, is not engaging is the fact that in company, I should leave my my soul at the door and come and go on the company with another behavioral traits. So the few authenticity in workplace became me less engaged at work, which is your suggestion to improve authenticity in the workplace, what we can do as consultant, manager, or something else. I think it's to promote it, to be authentic yourselves. That's uh, the best thing. Because when you are, when you show up as you are um, speaking your own truth, then you inspire people to do the same. Uh, I think that's the best you can do. Be the change yourself. Be authentic. If that's what you want to see in other people, you need to go first and show the way. And you can also show yourself vulnerable. And you can show maybe that you don't have all the answers. This is not okay in some cultures. And it's really, really difficult. I know you know this as well, because you have also been in these situations in Mm -hmm. companies as consultants. It's not always easy. I might have an easier time right now to do that. I could go into any organization and Mm -hmm. tell exactly what I think. But I couldn't do that before, you know? that would get me in trouble. Now I can do it because I I have a certain status as agile people and and 
as the founder of Agile People. And I have, what is it, Michael always say, you have earned your right to speak, he says, because you've been around and you showed that what you say makes sense, right? Then it's easier. Uh, but still, I'd say that you need to start to be that change yourself. And I think that's the best way. Otherwise, I'm not sure what, what you could do, really. Talk about it, bring it up. I think there is a card in the psychological safety game that speaks about authenticity. Yeah. Uh, give away the book, show the book to people and let them read it. Give it away to people. That's another way. I mean, it goes really well with all the other principles that we talk about in Agile People. So the more principles you can live and show and talk about and demonstrate with your customers, I think you can really make a change. Great advice, Bia. Thank you, because you started and we maybe we are in a different stage, but we are inspired because uh, everyone can take the right to talk just mm. starting. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's the subject matter of, of this series of the Agile People podcast is the Agile People Principles. And out of the 35 co-authors who've so, so far managed to get um, 17 out of the 35. And very happy to have founder Pierre Turan joining us today on authenticity. So really looking forward to this continuing this journey. We are, and, and you're absolutely right, with the book, Pierre Maria. So I run the or host the Agile People London Meetup. And Agile People Principles has been one of our topics. And yes, I've given away the book to people who've shown a great interest in it and they absolutely love it. And this doesn't have to be people from an HR or leadership community. It's people from all walks of life and they just get it. You know, it's a, yes, we've first encountered it on the training with yourself and we're continuing that journey and happy to do so because we get it. And one thing that we're looking to do is to explore it even further, myself and Vera and probably the other members of Agile People Collective, we will continue that journey into the Agile People Meetup London group as well, because Vera's put oh. a, a great spin on some of the principles. So we're looking to produce that out. And you know what, David? I was thinking about one company that came across as extremely authentic and very okay. open. It's a Norwegian company that I worked with. Mm -hmm. They're called, it's the Norwegian Automobile um, organization it's called so they're kind of representing uh, all the car owners in Norway and their interests uh, on the road and you know things like this Norwegian automobile company they are very open they work with beyond budgeting they work with agile people they want to do more they are always curious and open and authentic very nice organization I would say so this is one example of an organization that I really recommend if you want to look at how the principles can play out inside a company and I'm sure they're happy that you've just um, given them that, that recommendation, P. Maria. So <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Really enjoyed the time there, yeah. Yes, fantastic. <laughs> Oscar, do you have another question? Yeah, just adding up to that last question from Vera about, you know, something that came to my mind was that conception or misconception about the cultural fit. And when you are, you know, looking for people to join your company, you 
some of the companies that I have worked for, they take the cultural fit super serious. But I think that cultural fit also makes you or like stops you from hiring people who are probably more authentic than your current employees and who are probably going to bring some extra value that you are not having right now at your company. So what are your thoughts on that hiring for for this famous cultural fit instead of like hiring for people who are authentic? (laughs) If you hire for a cultural fit and you only hire certain people who say they are, they like your values or they like um, the culture that you have, you always need those opponents you always need also other people to because diversity is key in an organization right yes cultural fit is good and if we want to move in a certain direction we need people who have a certain mindset yes but we also need people who have an opposite mindset to challenge us and to to help us to see other perspectives. It's about different perspectives, right? We need a lot of different perspectives within an organization. Still, I think maybe we need some basic values that people can buy into regardless of their different perspectives, regardless of their different motivations or basic needs or their personality traits, if you see what I mean. You can buy into a value even though you don't maybe have it internally so strong. An organizational value doesn't have to be a personal value, maybe. But a good mix is always a good idea, I think. We don't want to to hire people who just, you know, say that they are, yes, I'm so agile or I'm this, I'm this, I'm this. And then they are not really that when they start uh, working there. We want them to be true. We want them to be authentic, obviously. Hey, Maria, how would Balance. you measure that authenticity or agility within a person? Would you have them set the risk motivation profile to see? I'm, I'm hesitant to do that in hiring uh, in hiring uh, situations because you, you may believe that people want a certain answer from you and then you can maybe fake some answers. I'm not so sure that it's a good idea to do that for hiring purposes. I know companies who do that for hiring purposes, mm-hmm. but... Yeah, things can go wrong, obviously, because people would like to give the answers that they think that the organization wants to hear. But I don't know. I guess it's a lot. It's about communicating a lot. It's about asking a lot of questions, spending time together, and you can never be sure. So spending a lot of time with it's still you need that speed in the hiring process. So it's it's a fine balance that you need to keep. But inviting them, letting them talk to your people, letting them talk to as many people as possible within the organization, maybe spend one or several days inside the organization, working together, yeah. uh, watching them, seeing them solving problems, maybe you know, involving them in, in some tasks or uh, letting them do practical work. I think that's the best way, but you can never be sure the only way to really be sure is to work together for some time. So probation is probably the best 
I don't know what it's called in English, when you have a kind of a test period of maybe six months where you work together with this person and see how does this work out? And then you hire them for real. And many times that's not possible because people have their secure positions somewhere else and they won't let go unless they know that they have a place in the new organization. So it's a tricky one. But generally most people, when they start a job here in the UK, they're on a probation period for maybe three, six months or so. And at the end of that period, then they're, they're told that, you know, but they're, they're still hired. They're st- you're, you're still in that hired phase. It's just that, and we'll come on to this as we talk about authenticity at work. During that probation period, the mask has got to slip sometimes. So if you're not true to yourself and true to your, your principles, then that mask will slip at some point, won't it, within mm. that, that period and stuff. I think so. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So you talk about what it means to be authentic and you've given a a listing here and we'll call that out in a minute. But when we talk about that authenticity at work and it's, again, it can be sort of two different guises of what do I feel internally to what I believe I have to be when I'm in work? You know, that wearing that mask, whether it's for, as we've talked about, in a consulting role where you have to behave and and be very different, you know, how do you then create that balance between the two? So if I read out the listing, what what you've said here, what it means to be authentic is, one, to be more concerned with the truth than opinions, to be sincere Mm. and not pretend, to be free from hypocrisy, walk your talk, to know who you are and be that person, to not fear others seeing your vulnerabilities, being confident to walk away from situations where you can't be yourself, being awake to your own feelings, being free from others' opinions of you and accepting and loving yourself. It's easier said than done sometimes. It has to do with your level of acceptance, which is also another basic need. If you have a high level of acceptance, you have a very high need to to be liked, to be seen, to be heard by others and to have positive feedback for yourself. And you can't really... It's very difficult to ignore that and say, yes, I like myself no matter what, you know, regardless of what people say. It's much easier if you have a weak need for acceptance. So all you can do is to work with yourself and to become more aware of how you feel. And if you are in a situation, you feel in a certain way, does this feel right? Does this feel wrong? And maybe if it feels wrong, maybe you admit that by leaving the situation or at least you know saying it out loud this doesn't feel right i don't know exactly what do you have a clue you know speaking it out instead of just thinking it maybe say it stop saying things as long as it doesn't hurt the other person this is a fine balance that you need to keep indeed and so in terms of that because it's all about looking inwards and stuff like and so that feels like it's a, a, a sort of very lonely option in terms of that. And if you don't really have anyone to speak to, then it feels like it's a, it's a singular activity. If I turn it on yourself, P. Maria, in terms of that, who do you say this truth? Who's your kind of mentor or coach that helps and supports you in terms of remaining that authentic self? I think it's all the agile people in the network, in the community, Mm -hmm. 
It's also my close friends, obviously, my children as well. They are grown up now. I have a lot of people who are very close to me. And the people who who know me, they know that I never want to hurt anybody. I, I never want to harm anybody. Other people may misinterpret my actions or my words, but the people who are closest to me, they understand that mm-hmm. I really don't want to harm anybody. And I have some very close friends that I can talk to about everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that helps. Yeah. Close relationships are important to have. And the agile people, I think we have a very authentic community. I think we have uh, the people in that community. I feel I can talk to you. I can be myself together with you. I know you have similar values as I have. Uh, So agile people in general is easy to be with and talk to wherever you come in the world. Mm -hmm. I have experienced that when I've been traveling if we start talking about agile or agile values, and I know that they are agile coaches or they work with agile in some way, then I know they are a friend and they don't know that I am a friend. It's an unspoken truth that all agile people around the world feel good around each other. (laughs) I don't know if you experienced the same thing. But I experienced that very much. Maybe it's because you go into a situation when you meet other people with that mindset, yeah. it turns out that way. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that's the case. If I have a meeting or a course with people who I know, no clue what Agile is or no idea what agility is about, then I have a lot more difficult time to getting through to them. And it may have to do with values and principles that agile people just have in common and take for granted, you know? No, understood. (laughs) I know exactly where you're coming from there. I'm going to turn the question on Oscar and Vera and say, in the the year or so since you met Pia Maria and the agile people community, how is that? those Agile People principles, that authenticity from Pia Maria, how has it affected yourselves? You know, I couldn't agree more on what just Pia Mia said about, you know, that connection with the Agile People community. In my case, I felt I have found my my pack, my herd, and hmm. the people who, who think alike. And that not, doesn't necessarily mean that we are equal or we are like the same because we are a super well-diverse kind of group. But all these agile values and agile principles, I think, are what we have in common. And that's the beauty of this community, that you can go somewhere else. And you know what you said when you are in a discussion or when you are talking about some specific thing. If you don't have that foundation that we all have, it's sometimes hard to keep a conversation or have or keep a certain level of deepness in a conversation, I guess. But I couldn't agree more. Mm. Yeah, for me, it's the same that when I met uh, the Pia Maria in person and then the community as well, I feel like uh, relaxing. Uh, Relaxing not because the work were easy, 
because it was very hard to understand to go deeper inside. But the people were very flexible, very open. And uh, I felt immediately I can do something here because I feel myself, I can be what I am. And I think that many people feel something like that. So now I realize in this discussion, Pia, that really you show yourself and immediately it's a contagious way of being because every one of us feels the same and embrace the same way to do. So I think this is something that uh, don't need too much explication, but uh, we feel that. And uh, I agree with Oscar, what he said. It's an open environment and authenticity is uh, is king, I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's the key. And it's, it's the warmth. And it's, you know, even if you don't always think the same about a certain situation or topic, we know that we have some common values. We know that we don't want to, to harm each other. We want good for each other. And we are like good friends in a way. So I think it really works to be that person and to be that change that you want to see in others, to show your authenticity. And that's the best way to spread it to other companies, to other systems as well. Yeah, we are just starting out on our journey now to change the world. So (laughs) (laughs) this is what we do, right? We just show our authenticity and we show ourselves and we, we invite other people to join us on this journey because the world need more people like that. No, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're um, almost coming up to the hour, so um, we're happy to continue. Well, let's ask a few more questions. So I guess from myself, Pia Maria, I guess, you know, what I see is when I sort of look at you and stuff like that from a training perspective and how we interact over over the past year or so since that engagement is that you seem like a free spirit and you seem very, you have that angelic or presence shall we say it's almost like as you mentioned earlier you've earned your stripes shall we say to be almost evangelical that you can go into organizations spread the word and talk about agile people principles and agile people and how you want to spread goodness in the world and stuff like that but i guess the humbling part i see from yourself is you never refer to yourself it's always we It's always we as a community. You don't see yourself set apart from that. And I think that's really important message that you might have been the inspiration, you might have drawn out the ideas or started, but you still see it as as being we. Definitely, because one person can never do so much alone. The collective can. So it's about when we are many, we are strong, right? Mm. And every person is important. So it's not about me, it's about us. And it's about agile people all over the world. And it's only when we come together that we can get that strength and that effect, I think. It's useless if you're alone, then you know <laughs> you don't have that power. It's collective intelligence that we are after. Yes, it's one of the most important principles as well. And maybe you have some some new podcast coming up with uh, collective intelligence as well. Do you? By the way, <laughs> we so far have managed to get that co-author. But if you tell me his name, I'll go and chase him. <laughs> I wonder if it is. Um, hmm, who is that? Isn't that one hundred and twenty-two? It's Michael. Michael. 
Michael Göte, yes, he can yes. talk about collective yes. intelligence. Uh -huh. He's a coach at uh, CRISP in Sweden, yes. uh, agile coach. So now that we've shamed him on this podcast, he has to turn up. <laughs> I should edit this bit out. Fantastic uh, person, very warm, very humble, very nice person. Awesome. So you can probably learn a lot from him. You should contact him, David. Definitely. Fantastic. Um, so, um, Pamela, we talked um, earlier as well about some upcoming events for yourself. I know yes. that you're touring the world. Exactly. At and least virtually. This event that I wanted to talk about today is the Agile People Conference. Conference. We used to have conferences every year. Last year we have a, had a book launch instead of a, a regular conference, but we had seven conferences earlier called Agile People Sweden. And usually we met in real life and usually we met in Stockholm. But this year we said that, okay, so let's make a conference in Gothenburg on the west coast of Sweden. And we are inviting a lot of people for the week that starts with November 15. And we will go on for many days and it will be possible to buy different kinds of tickets to that conference for training, for workshops for a main day where we have speakers maybe showing up on a big screen in the room etc so i welcome everybody to come to sweden come to gothenburg in november because we need something to light up that time in sweden it's really dark it's starting to get cold so we need that nice little thing to look forward to in november so we are thinking to do that just celebrating that now we might be able to meet again in real life and to talk about the things that matter and to gather and to take ourselves through the dark time of the year with that's some fantastic. energy. Fantastic. And that's November time, Pemiru, isn't it? Was it November. the 15th to the, the 19th so far as Pencil Day? Yes, exactly. What we know is that Jürgen Apollo will be coming. He will be doing his new workshop, a two-day workshop. Oh. on the 18th and 19th and Fantastic. we will probably some of us will also be doing some workshops maybe in agile hr or leadership or business agility or something like that people development maybe and there will be also a main day where with a lot of interesting speakers and things happening around that yeah and so in terms of how people contact you and um, pia maria for that event so people out with the agile people community yes definitely contact me and if you want to be part of it i have already invited to a first meeting actually i thought we could use the marketing time that we have mm. on fridays yes. to plan for this because it's a it's a great opportunity to market uh, ourselves and agile people all over the world yes. um, so welcome to join us in that Fantastic. Right. Okay. In terms of any other books coming out, Maria, have you thought of anything? What's your next venture? I want to write more about the Agile People Coach, the role, yes. the Agile People Coach. That's what I want to write about. And probably the next book will be about that. Uh, right now, I didn't start. Actually, there is a chapter in the Agile People Principles book, but it needs to be extended i yes. feel and we need to go deeper into that role and explore it because i believe this is in this direction um, that managers leaders and hr persons need to move uh, in that direction to be more servant transformational and coaching as leaders and provide structures that people can 
where people can be themselves and be authentic and, and where people can feel happy and where they can perform and find meaning and purpose. So all the principles come together in, in that kind of role. And what are then the skills that you need to have? How can you create such an environment and such a culture in an organization? And um, there is a lot to learn around that. So I would like to explore that deeper. Yeah. And would you look at the comparison between an agile people coach to an agile coach? Yeah. So an agile coach most often comes from an IT background, maybe a tech-oriented company. They are usually not in a formal position in an organization, which an agile people coach could be. They could hold a formal position. Mm-hmm. They usually don't have... A, too much focus on people skills and relationships some of them do but many don't they come from being maybe a project manager or a scrum master or some kind of tech lead of different kinds so there is a difference i do think that when you're an agile people coach you come from an area where you have been working with people before you have experience from leading uh, people or helping leaders leading people and this is a very important skill for an agile people coach to understand people on a deeper level so that's also one of the agile people principles know people deeply which Miguel has written about in the book he has yes indeed i'm trying to get on him on as well that's great. Yeah, because I because I really want to find out about his trip sailing the Atlantic as well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Got a lot to, to tell about uh, sailing. It's, it's a big uh, passion, really. Yes, so. indeed, mm. indeed. Yeah, we shall, we shall, um, I'm sure we'll be successful on that at some point and we'll look forward to it. So how do we mm-hmm. normally wrap up, Pia Maria? So thank you for today, Pia Maria Turin some remedial actions how to be more authentic so you've actually mentioned here authentic people are have realistic perceptions of reality are accepting of themselves and other people are thoughtful have a non-hostile sense of humor are able to express their emotions freely and clearly are open to learning from their mistakes and understand their motivations this is what it means to be true to oneself and conversely, the opposite of inauthentic people. Oscar, Vera, would you like to ask uh, any other questions? No, no question. Thanks for uh, Pia for your interview. Uh, very inspiring as always, but authenticity is very principle that you express with your life. So it's very inspiring. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vera, and thank you, Oscar. <laughs> thank you, Pia. Like a fish in the sea, definitely. Thank you. Thank yeah, you absolutely. for inspiring us. Yes. Thank you very much, Pia Maria. Any last words before we wrap up? Be authentic. <laughs> Be yourselves out there. It, it's probably worth it in the end. Absolutely. Thank you much. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much, guys. Appreciate that. That was a great session on authenticity and I think um, you can um, greatly appreciate that we were very authentic there so thank you once again thank you David